0: Everybody and welcome back to the Feeling Seen podcast, the podcast that talks about the movies that make us feel seen. I, you could perhaps hear me smiling right now because we have a we have a, a legend in our midst. My co-host today is somebody for whom there could be, depending on who you are, you could take like a BuzzFeed personality test of like which character that this actor has played is your personality sort of situation and. You know, depending on maybe you're a geriatric millennial like me and you grew up with Billy Butcherson and Hocus Pocus. Maybe you are a fan of prestige cinema and you thought the elegant fish man was a sex symbol in The Shape of Water. Uh, Maybe you're excited about Hocus Pocus 2 that's coming up. Maybe you love Star Trek Discovery in which he plays Saru. Maybe you're a big fan of What We Do in the Shadows in which he is the Baron Afanas or so many other projects from Guillermo del Toro. Doug Jones, what could I possibly? How could I possibly introduce you sufficiently? Does that take care of it as a setup? What oh, else should I say? Uh,
1: not 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 only did that take care of it, that also uh, humbled me to the point where I can't live up to it. Thank you so much for the introduction.
0: <laughs> you're you're so welcome. Uh, and I I know you're a very very busy person, mm. so I wonder. Are you filming right now? Are you in between filming right now? Like, are you working? Are you on a moment of downtime? Yeah, uh,
1: no, no I, there's no downtime for the weary. Um, <laughs> yes. I, uh, uh, season five of Star Trek Discovery is currently in production. Uh, okay. I do have a small break from that. That's why I'm not in Toronto. That's why I'm back home in Los Angeles right now. But during during my little small break, I have worked in convention appearances. And I just filmed some, mm. a, a, a pilot for a, a new travel reality show yesterday as the host well, oh, if that sells! It sells, uh, right? I, <laughs> yeah, I also, we'll cross our fingers. I also recently did a week on a uh, on another show for uh, the Pure Flix, which is a, the streaming, the family friendly, faith based streaming network of, of mm-hmm. Sony. And uh, so, I, as a human, I was in and out of the makeup trailer in seven minutes. It was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Do you walk out after that and you're like, are we? Are you sure? Like, are we?
1: Surely, there's some glue, rubber, nothing. <laughs> yeah. No. So, uh, and then I'm also going to be. Uh, it, is, it is also press time for Hocus Pocus too. So I've been doing an awful mm-hmm. lot of interviews and a lot of uh, running abouts for that. So I'm hopping on a plane at 5:30 in the morning tomorrow to um, okay. to head off to another another appearance in New Hampshire. And then we've got the, the big Hocus Pocus 2 premiere in New York shortly after mm-hmm. uh, and the press junket there. And so it, it, it hasn't been. And then I have to get back to Toronto to keep filming Star Trek Discovery season <laughs> yeah. five. So it's like, well, so I think, you know, I'll sleep when I'm dead, I guess. Is that how this works? Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And well, OK, so I wonder about that. Like, I feel like a thing I enjoy about talking to actors who have settled into kind of like I feel like it's about the early to mid-30s range with actors who have been in it now since maybe they were tw- teens, mm-hmm. maybe early 20s. I feel like that's about the time I start talking to people where they're like, I don't feel the crisis imperative to keep saying yes to things. I yeah. feel like I've reached a point. But I wonder what is... What is your sort of continued galvanizing force mm-hmm. to to stay so prolific as you are, or and has that kind of motivating factor changed for you over the, that?
1: That, over is a, time? that is a great question. I um, when I was when I was a young teen, I was not acting yet. I didn't start really start doing. I started doing TV commercials in my mid to late twenties, um, and then I didn't really become. Uh, and I was fighting for every part I got. I didn't become somebody who got phone calls and requests until. In my 40s, basically, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, so I was kind of a late bloomer.
0: Now you're offer only. Doug Jones is offer only, everybody. Incoming okay, call saying. only. <laughs> <laughs> but,
1: um, but when uh, when, the, um, when the offers came, I was out of fear. We just say, yes, 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 because I, I knew what it was like to not have them. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, I wanted to, you know, do I, if I'm going to keep going, I need to say yes to just everything. I have mm-hmm. reached a point now, now that I'm 62 years old, uh, and I'm, and I'm getting weary and tired. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I am a bit more picky now and I, I can comfortably say, no, if it's just not the right fit or the, not the right story I want to help tell or the right role I want to play or mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, and that, and that's okay. Saying no is a gift that we have been given, mm-hmm. uh, Yes, and, and and it does not have to have horrible consequences. No, can simply be. A, I need to take care of myself right now. Thank you so much, though. You know,
0: no, absolutely. So right now, right now, we're you're on the threshold of putting out Hocus Pocus two, yeah. Billy Butcherson, the return, yeah. and the character that uh, you provided when we we asked what you want to discuss today was another sort of stuffed and pulled man. Mm-hmm. It's the Scarecrow from Wizard of Oz, right. which I find to be such a tender and <laughs> lovely choice. And I wondered, was that something that occurred to you quickly or did that have to take some mulling over to know that that was the one?
1: Right. When you sent the question to publicist Jess to forward on to me, like, what character <laughs> yes. would you like to discuss as, as though you, the one you were you felt seen in? Mm-hmm. in your,
0: Thank you, publicists, yeah, for making everything possible. Exactly. We appreciate yeah, you. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, know. I, I, it took me a split second to say, oh, Scarecrow from Wizard of Oz. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up with him uh, uh, kind of guiding my way. Um uh, the Wizard of Oz was one of those TV events when we were kids. Before home video, we, you had to watch mm-hmm. it on network TV when it aired, or you missed it that year. So it was like a stop the world, I'm watching the Wizard of Oz. Yep. And the one character I, I, I that I, I mean, I love the whole movie, but the one character I really connected with uh, was the Scarecrow. He was this goofy, floppy, l- gangly, all limbs uh, strung together without without any any tendons. It seemed. And he also was missing a brain. And I Mm -hmm. always felt like I was the one in the room, no matter where I was, that wasn't quite as intelligent or quite as quick or quite as funny as everybody else. Mm -hmm. Uh, In addition to thinking that I also did not look normal. I was the tall, lanky, gangly kid who it was easy to make fun of for other kids. Mm -hmm. And uh, so when you combine, I look like a freak. At least I told myself that. I I was being told that and I believed it. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, that coupled with I'm not quite as intelligent to keep up with the, with everybody in the room uh, then I saw the scarecrow like well he's that and he's that mm-hmm. and he's having a great life <laughs> so- <laughs> <laughs> are you doing that on purpose or can't you make up your mind that's the trouble I can't make up my mind I haven't got a brain only straw. how can you talk if you haven't got a brain I don't know some people without brains do an awful lot of talking, don't they?
0: Yes, I guess you're right.
1: So Ray Bolger, if I if I ever was able to meet Ray Bolger when he was alive, I would have wet my mm-hmm. pants and 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 <laughs> cried on him and done the whole thing. Yeah.
0: I, I I had the honor of speaking to Christina Ricci recently about like Yellow Jacket stuff, and she she said of her character Misty that she just simply refuses to have a bad time. And I had not thought of the character in that way, but it is absolutely true. Yeah. And you, you, I do see in Scarecrow too a character who just kind of refuses to be having a bad time, even despite his sort of song of melancholy, mm-hmm. his song of longing mm-hmm. that we meet him singing about, If I Only Had a Brain. Yeah. Um, he is still somebody who is he like even when he sings his song he, he sings it in terms of like I would answer questions for other people I would give knowledge to other people and do for other people and there's a sort of inherent benevolence to him mm-hmm. in his wishing to be something ad- in addition to what he already is right and I, I, I you know it's a very I think it's a very optimistic character choice in that
1: one. I thought so too yes he was all about the happy and all about the what I would do yeah yeah if, if, if only I had a brain I'd unravel every riddle for any individual in trouble or in pain.
0: With the thoughts you'd be thinking you could be another Lincoln if you only had a brain.
1: Right, and then by the end, when he got his brain as a gift, mm-hmm. and he was r- r- rattling off facts and figures, he didn't get all full, yeah. he didn't get all full of himself. He was he was he was just so humbled <laughs> and grateful to have this new this new chapter of life. So I'm like, okay, good. I I, I'll, I look forward to that new chapter whenever it hits me as well. Right. Some of the square roots of any two sides of an isosceles triangle is equal to the square root of the remaining side. Oh, joy! Rapture i got a brain. How can I ever thank you enough?
0: Well, you can't. Well, well what was your, what would your if only song have been <laughs> if you were, when you were receiving the Scarecrow as this person, this character that made sense to you? What was, did you have a sort of localized in, well, if only I had this thing, then I hmm. would, then I would be full. In my, in my young perception of what being complete
1: means. Right. Oh, well, back then you know uh it, it's something that i don't care about now but back then i wanted mm-hmm. to just walk into a room and blend i mm-hmm. wanted to i wanted to look average i want mm-hmm. uh so that so that i wasn't a a focal point of like what and people pointing and and giggling um mm-hmm. right, if only i could have you know been average what i thought normal was right. and uh and just blend in then i could then i wouldn't have to you know then everything I said and did wouldn't be tempered with. I hope I don't look like a geek doing this or like mm-hmm, a fool mm-hmm. doing this, whatever it was.
0: Mm-hmm. When you when you were it was at uh, I believe it was Ball State University mm-hmm. where you got into the art of mime, and I went like you know high school, middle school, a savage time for any anybody who is <laughs> anybody who's the tall poppy, anybody who's the nail that's sticking that's out. Right. And so when you, w- did you have the experience once you got to college of that being a time where you found the other tall poppies or was that a longer trip for you to get to that? No,
1: party? I you, I love how you put that, the tall poppy. Uh, I did find other tall poppies and mm-hmm. and, uh, um, and found a sense of community and like, oh, these people get me and, mm-hmm. uh, and I can be, be more of myself and not worry so much and not live in fear every day. And mm-hmm. then I also had opportunities open up to me, like the the mime troupe at Ball State University. There was a mime troupe called Mime Over Matter that was run by other students. Mime Over mm-hmm. Matter, thats a pun. Um, <laughs> yeah. And the, the the senior who lived down the hall from me in the um, in the dorm when I was a freshman uh, mm-hmm. was like, "Hey, I run this mime troupe. Yeah, I think you'd be good for that." Uh, come see one of our (laughs) shows. He was also a tall, lanky, goofy, very animated guy that I'm like, oh, my people. And so I went and Mm -hmm. saw the show and I'm like, oh, more of my people. So I joined the Mm -hmm. Mind Troupe and uh, and found it it, it to be a place where I could thrive. I also, during my years at Ball State University, was able to, uh, I I would go to the basketball and football games and see our mascot, Charlie Cardinal. I was thinking like, (laughs) you know, there's so much more that can be done with that. I really want to (laughs) get... You know, uh, get in that suit and make it make it come alive more. and i, I
0: as a huge fan of the University of Oregon Duck, like a fan specifically of the, the duck,
1: duck
0: and the commitment to the people inside the puddle suit. yeah. I completely agree with you. You can create a fandom around a mascot suit if you've got the will to make the way. Okay,
1: and so I'm, I can pat myself <laughs> on the back and say Charlie Cardle became uh, quite a quite a centerpiece at, at sporting events yes. when I took him on. Yes, yes, I'm very happy. And I've, I've had people in the alumni department uh, since then. And you know, it's been I graduated in nineteen eighty two, so you weren't even born yet, were you, child? But
0: three three years How prior, three okay. years before I got okay. here.
1: But uh, Uh, Yeah, they they, they, for many years after said that, you know what, Doug, you're still the best Charlie Cardinal we've ever had. So I, you know, I don't want to boast, but I loved hearing that I did.
0: Absolutely. (laughs) And it's just like it's like a thing where it's like you kind of it's the kind of luxurious position where everybody gets to win. Like you get to hear that and it gets to be true. And anybody else who would be like really passionate about it could be like, well, I mean, yeah, right. like of course I'm not fucking Doug Jones. Like it, like it's like sure. Like that's not like oh no, my feelings are hurt. It's like, well, <laughs> if I'm if I'm going to not be somebody, I might as well not be Doug Jones in the comparison right. in keeping up with that Jones. Um right. Right. but that's like what I what I lo- what I love about hearing about that is the idea of like arriving at this new place and being noticed and being picked out of a lineup. But because someone's like I think you'd be really great at something like I noticed you Mm -hmm. and in noticing you, it's because like, I think I I I think there's something that you could really shine in as opposed to like, I would imagine at that point, maybe like a, a patternization of, being noticed, not being something that you aspired to anymore. If like, if you know my kingdom to not be noticed in a room (laughs) and I, that's a really, that's a really nice thing to be able to go somewhere new and have this thing that could have been previously associated with like anxiety or or a challenge point and then be like, no, I'm going to take back the notion of being noticed for myself. And I'm going to, I get to do something great with that.
1: Right. Right. And, and, uh, I would say that the, the, the show business, the film industry, uh, and the creature effects makeup designers have been crucial in, in that process of self acceptance and and finding mm-hmm. the beauty that is in me um, i uh, yeah I, I, one of my favorite st- stories ever you know my my long skinny neck was was a focal point of mockery when I was a kid, mm. and so I didn't like getting pictures taken for in profile because I didn't like my posture i didn't like how it worked. I was called ostrich, I was called giraffe many, many a time and and I, when I looked up what an ostrich looked like the first time I'm like, oh. Maybe not a compliment if you're a human. Uh, so
0: yeah, yeah. If you're you like 16 and a human guy, <laughs> like, so. thank you. Hell, so, yeah.
1: So I uh, so I, I actually kind of learned to loathe my long skinny neck. Uh, and you know, wanting to be an actor is a part of that that this whole uh, uh, the whole theme of your show about being seen. Um, I mm-hmm. also felt not only the scarecrow, but I also felt seen in other goofy comedic characters. Like anything mm-hmm. Jerry Lewis played in, um, mm-hmm. and and when it came to television too, you know we had Dick Van Dyke, we had uh, Gomer Pyle, we had um, yep, we had uh, Gilligan from Gilligan's Island, uh, and Barney Fife on the the Mayberry show. Come on, uh, <laughs> it just uh, I had I had you know people that I was watching going, well, they're making something of that that mm-hmm. look that persona. Maybe that's where mm-hmm. I belong is in this TV set one day because that, that, that's kind of mm-hmm. what inspired me to want to be an actor in the first place. So Mm -hmm. now cut to me sitting in a makeup chair, uh, getting a makeup test done for an alien character for the X-Files many, many years ago. And the creature effects designer that was going to be creating this look on me was walking around the back of me and just staring at me with this look of wonder on his face. And he said, has anyone ever told you what a beautiful neck you have? Oh, So, of course, I almost started crying. And I said,
0: I was going to say, did you cry? No, no
1: one has ever said, you know, (laughs) neck and beauty in the same sentence for me. Right. Yeah. So uh, from that, you know, and so creature effects designers from that point forward have always been very complimentary and very like, oh, my gosh. But, you know, this tall, skinny thing, we can use it. It's so beautiful and usable and we can create. Mm -hmm. And the creatures that, you know, the best artists in the world have worked on me now. And have and have boasted uh-huh. about the the palette they get to create upon. So for that, mm-hmm. it's like, well, you know what? Th- thank you. That did such wonders for my self esteem. And I and with a director like Guillermo del Toro, who ke- keeps coming back for me again and again, and and he has created all these roles of you know monsters and and creatures that uh that I have had the opportunity and blessing to play. Uh, mm-hmm. where, where the monster is celebrated as a beautiful being and, and mm-hmm. might, might look hideous in some ways, but by the end of the movie, you're, 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 on, you're rooting for the monster. You're, you're wanting to be the monster. And so mm-hmm. many, now that I do the convention scene, that, you know, the, the, the sci-fi and horror and comic book conventions, of course. I have a line of people at every one of those that come up to me, and I, I cannot tell you how many of them have said, because of you, I feel seen whatever that is, whatever monster mm-hmm. that might have been, whatever storyline they might have been been relating to, connecting with. Pan's Labyrinth is a great example where um, I get so many people who, uh, you know, the connection between uh, the fawn and Ophelia, a little mm-hmm. girl, uh, that connection has helped has helped so many young ladies uh, who were dealing with something. Uh, when maybe mm-hmm. it was the same issues with authority or being abused in some way, and they, mm-hmm. they found the strength and their voice to get out of that and to, you know uh, uh you know to uh, address the monster in the room whatever that is mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. so I, I i it's been lovely to be a part of those stories and to be a part of people's lives when they tell me you know here's here's what i was going through when i watched you in x y or z and mm-hmm. and here here's the uh, the outcome and here's how i am today because of it i that that does wonders for for me to know that there's more to to my career than just flapping my arms around on film <laughs> you know
0: yeah and and when did you know was there a point where you realized that your career was taking on that you were becoming a scarecrow <laughs> for others, others? Do, was there like a threshold where you were like this is a thing i'm noticing that's like actually a part of my professional journey and i you know it's 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 interesting i i always tr- i try to put the question to to people who make these kinds of arts in the in terms sometimes of it's kind of unfair but like in terms of like is there any sort of sense of responsibility that you feel like knowing, especially like doing cons and stuff, having such like Mm -hmm. one-on-one and intimate interactions with fans. And and you're very like, you're very clear about like your walk with your faith Mm -hmm. in your life. And I feel like my, my friends who have had long spiritual journeys in their lives too, like, I think the most beautiful thing that I have identified in them, despite like differences we might have about other things, Mm -hmm. is a commitment to community and nurturing it and fostering Mm -hmm. it. And I wondered like in how in those sort of things communicated with each other in how you embrace or sort of contemplate that aspect of your professional persona.
1: Right. I think uh, it it has been subconscious for so long. I wasn't aware that this was happening uh, yeah. But but you're right. I, I think it is, has been the one-on-one meeting a fan in front of my face at a, yeah. at a convention where they want to hold my hands and they're tearing up telling me their personal story and how I connected to it. That is like mm-hmm. so sobering and humbling. Oh um, and, and I didn't make the, the uh, you mentioned before, the Scarecrow from Wizard of Oz and Billy Butcherson from Hocus Pocus connection mm-hmm. before, uh, not until just recently. I, I because when I was playing Billy Butcherson for the first time 29 years ago uh, <laughs> yeah. right, who knew we were going to get a sequel tw- you know almost 30 years <laughs> later right yeah but but uh, playing him that fir- that first time uh, I didn't realize how much of Scarecrow I was channeling uh, without even without <laughs> without thinking about it you know directly um yeah but but I, I he obviously he was such a part of me The Scarecrow is such a part of me and and my psyche and my 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 internal uh, emotions that, uh, mm-hmm. that when I played Billy Butcherson a lot of him came out in me I think uh, you know because I, I was strung together with dust I, um, <laughs> I, w- I was goofy and funny they didn't really denote that I was brainless but but he, but, <laughs> but he was silly and not and, 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 and uh, the, the witches were all goofy and so I was kind of in that same ilk you buck tooth mop firefly from <laughs> hell ah! I've waited centuries to say that i oh, say what you want just don't breathe on me uh, and so once the once the first Hocus Pocus gained popularity and, you know, because mm-hmm. it came out to kind of a fizzle at the box office in 1993, yeah. but then it was the home video market. It was the TV airings repeatedly during October over the years where our audience grew and grew and grew, and grew to the point where our original audience has kids of their own that are growing mm-hmm. and growing and growing with us as, as an audience. There's a
0: small segment of very, very young, like rising freshmen, sophomores in college that I follow on Twitter, um, who are in like genre film and stuff and the way they love Hocus Pocus (laughs) at like 19, 20 years old, it's like, wow. And so I do
1: see that parallel, you know, those, those, those kids that you're talking about who, who revere Hocus Pocus and make it an event film where they get their friends Mm -hmm. together and have viewing parties like mm-hmm. we used to do uh, while uh, with my family when I watched The Wizard of Oz, we had to have a viewing party because if you didn't, you missed it, right? Like <laughs> mm-hmm. on that TV yes. airing. So, uh, so I am seeing quite a parallel. And I even recently said to somebody that they were apologizing for for just falling apart in front of me because they grew up with Billy Butcherson, and they again, it was one of those people who who felt like they connected with Billy more than anyone else in the movie, and they understood him and 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 they felt understood and seen by watching him and being living through the movie with him and I, I held that person's hands and I said, "Don't apologize if I had yeah. Ray Bolger in front of me." <laughs> <laughs> right right now I would be doing the exact same thing and I would I would weep on him I would cry him on him I might lick his face right so yeah, yeah. so never apologize for having the moment that I wish I could have had with Ray Bolger
0: Yes yes We're going to take a quick break but when we get back I will have more with Doug Jones including how he feels about being the subject of internet thirst You can't miss that Uh, And then I will have one quick thing before I go about maybe you love horror movies, maybe you don't, but I bet you have heard of the upcoming movie, Smile, that is about to open in theaters across America. And we're going to discuss a little bit about that at the end of the show, so don't miss it.
1: Hi, I'm Hal Loveland. And I'm Mark Gagliardi. And we're the hosts of We Got This with Mark and Hal, the weekly show where we settle the debates that are most important to you. That's right. What arguments are you and your friends having that you just can't settle? Apples or oranges? Marvel or DC? Fork versus spoon? Chocolate or vanilla? Best bagel? What's the best Disney song? We Got This with Mark and Hal every week on Maximum Fun. We do the arguing so you don't have to. Oh, all answers are final for all people for all time. We got this. Most game shows quiz contestants about topics they don't even care about.
0: But for more than 100 episodes, the Go Fact Yourself podcast has asked celebrity guests trivia about topics they choose for themselves.
1: And introduced them to some of their personal heroes along the way.
0: Oh my gosh, shut up! Oh, I feel like I'm going to cry. Oh, my stars! <laughs> it's so, so exciting.
1: Join me, J. Keith Van Stratton.
0: And me, Helen Hong, along with guests like DJ Jazzy Jeff, Yardley Smith, Roxanne Gay, and so many more on the Trivia
1: Game Show podcast, Go Fact Yourself. Twice a month, every month on Maximum Fun.
0: Welcome back to Feeling Seen. I'm in deep conversation today with a peerless co-host, the beloved Doug Jones. Doug has played iconic roles in many of Guillermo del Toro's films, notably the amphibian man in the shape of water. He's on a couple of TV shows at the moment because Doug is one of the busiest men in Hollywood, What We Do in the Shadows and Star Trek Discovery. And he is reprising his role as Billy Butcherson, in Hocus Pocus 2. Millennials, we are gathering around Disney Plus to see the return of the Sanderson sisters. So let's get back to Doug. So like the interesting thing happens in Shape of Water where like the character like in a in a very internet time particularly there becomes like a subcategory of conversation around that movie of like s- like <laughs> a sex icon yes. the the fishman. Yes. And which I then like cuz there's that and then let's take us up to present day what we do in the shadows mm. where the the baron is restored in a recent episode in in season 4 mm-hmm. that that just I think finished airing. I think I think season 4 finished. is done, yes. That's just it. Yeah. Uh it it is uh the wedding episode. Yes. Uh it is season 4 episode 6 when your character is restored to your natural like pre-burnt husk physical form and you are you are fetishized as a sex icon when you're a when you're a half a man on a couch
1: i am not the dashing radiant being that i once was
0: i think i might know just what you need are you thinking what i'm thinking that he's still fuckable even though he looks like a burnt log No, obviously he's fuckable. I mean, come
1: on. Right, I did not see that coming.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And then you are restored, like you enter the frame as the officiant to this wedding Mm. and you are you, you are Doug Jones with your long blonde wig on. And the room is gasping and people are talking about like, Oh, I just hooked up with him. It was as amazing yeah. as I remember. Like it is a pansexual feast of Doug Jones I in this scene. Oh, I've forgotten how handsome a vampire the Baron is. Oh yes, he's absolutely delicious. I must confess, we had a little quickie in the cloakroom after the ceremony.
1: As good as you remember? Oh,
0: so much better.
1: All right, well then, don't mind if I do.
0: Oh, enjoy, my love. Oh, I, I, love
1: <laughs> I say there, Baron, fantastic to see you return to your former glory. I have been wanting to have a private word with you, <laughs> Laszlo, if you would be so good as to meet me in the courtroom. Oh, yes.
0: How is being objectified, not just for being a fish, but for being Doug Jones. Well,
1: I will, t- uh, again, something I never saw coming. Uh, <laughs> again, you were talking about the kid who grew up thinking he was the geek in the room that nobody ever wanted to have, be romantic with, period, the end. Uh, so to be uh, on worldwide television now, and people are like, doing <laughs> chat rooms about how hot the Baron is, I'm. I, I, blah, blah.
0: I was on a Reddit thread last night <laughs> about written? how hot the Baron is. Really?
1: Oh my gosh! <laughs> I've not seen. I've not been actually reading everything because it just kind of embarrasses me. But but um, that's fair. Uh, but uh, but it's. I'm tickled pink to, to, to uh, you know that that's kind of a dream come true that I, that uh, you know a 62 year old man can be <laughs> can be a sex symbol. <laughs> but um, yeah. Yeah, especially because <laughs> because they're they're too unlikely. The, the two characters you mentioned are two unlikely sex symbols. You know, a fish man from from the Amazon River, and yes. and a, a crusty old uh, vampire uh, without genitalia. Right? I still I still <laughs> yeah. don't. Neither uh, yeah. of those seem unlikely to want to hook up with. And, yeah. And yet, and yet, they they have their audience, and uh, that that uh, that makes me kind of kind of giggle to myself. Yeah
0: no i i love I, I loved watching that and just like that it that that the episode makes it a point to emphasize that this character does not become desirable oh, he's always been. when he is restored mm-hmm. to his um pre sort of decrepit frame. Mm-hmm. It is the entire episode when he's just sitting there with innards spilling out onto the couch because he's like a stump of a person right, at that right. point. He's half a person, like you said, no genitalia. There's nothing from like the hips right, down, right. and yet they're still speaking of him in terms of like, oh, you mean like because he's still yeah. and and Nadia's like, well, obviously, <laughs> like that's not even in that's question. That's a given.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: and the but the the emphasizing that it is not the transformation to a human standard of acceptability that makes this character so desirable and sexy it is simply the nature of the baron to be so and it's undeniable and i it it, like it does such a it was such a great split of what that show does so well with being like body and blue humor Mm -hmm. but being having such a a heart of gold and having such a sort of like Nice friends that you want to hang out with when yeah. the episodes come around'
1: that is so true uh, and i i'm getting that again being on the convention scene recently, I mm-hmm. did one uh with harvey Guillen, uh from uh, who plays Guillermo on the show yes and uh uh we were doing photo ops together and i I had uh, you know professional photo ops where people line up and come and get a professional picture taken.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I saw a huge difference from I think i'd just done uh, uh I had just done some photo ops with another cast member from another show or another movie. And they were just, like, respectful and great and da-da-da. When I was yeah. with Harvey, those fans came in going, <laughs> jumping up and down and shaking their hands around. They were so excited, and they were all giggly. There were all, a lot of cosplayers, a lot of goofy T-shirts. Uh-huh. I mean, it was, a you know, so the fan base is, oh, they're so ready for to laugh and to find the sexy and to find the funny in the sexy. Mm-hmm. They're ready for it. Yeah.
0: Well, and something that that show does so well is just the um, a, a way that I've talked about this with uh, a filmmaker friend of mine, the ambient queerness yeah. of the movie that is just like a, a fact of the community itself. Yeah. It's just a self-evident fact. It's not something that needs to be like defined or belabored. Right, right. And there is obviously like a long association with with queer identity with with sort of monstrosity, mm-hmm. and and uh, a kinship between horror and genre, mm-hmm. and 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 folks identifying as queer and you know there's that that split in sort of the identification with the monster of I, I see myself in the monster as I see myself as other, as the the one that is marginalized, the one that is not accepted, and like reconciling with my own monstrosity and I, I feel a kinship with this with this creature. Mm-hmm. And then what I found in, in talking to a lot of queer folks I know is the other half of that split is the sense of like, I identify with the monster for its marginalization, but for its destructive power. <laughs> like there's something aspirational to yeah. me about something that can wreak havoc on the lives of the people who wreak havoc on me. And I, you know, I feel like your there is a popular association with you with the the more empathetic half of that spectrum, but I wondered if you have sort of stood at the edge of your own bridge or crossed your own bridge with sort of like the rage half of that spectrum or the rage half of that monster.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I thankfully I guess I the rage part of me has never really been that that okay. vocal, that loud. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I've never felt uh, in in a mood to retaliate or to get revenge on anyone really. Um, mm-hmm. I, uh, I find forgiveness to be a much stronger uh, f- uh, emotion in me. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it gets more results, I think. Uh, than- <laughs> yeah, so, um, but I, but I, I find that that, what you, that is interesting that you mentioned that because both, let's go back to the shape of water amphibian man and mm-hmm. the baron in what we do mm-hmm. in the shadows. They both uh, do have that connectability and that vulnerability and that, that, that sexiness thing, but they also both have the power to rip you in half.
0: Yes. Uh, yes. As, as has
1: been uh, displayed in both of those mm-hmm. uh, uh, pro- projects. So, um, so, yeah, that I never thought about people being able to connect with that. I, I think, as, as any good martial artist might tell you, uh, once mm. you reach the black belt level, you can, you, you know, your hands and feet are, uh, you know, are certifiable weapons. Yeah,
0: registered, registered weapons, weapons. Yeah. Right.
1: So, uh, but the the beauty in that art form is not having to use it. Uh, Mm -hmm. knowing that you have the confidence that it's there, but Mm -hmm. it's never used as an offense. It's used as a defense. Should someone get out of hand with you, that's one thing. Mm -hmm. But you don't go after someone initially with this power that you have. So Mm -hmm. I think there's a certain... Uh, uh, with, with.
0: I love this allusion to a quiet, destructive power within Doug. Jones.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Just knowing that it's there is is enough. Just knowing that it's there.
0: Look, I have the confidence that it's there, so I don't have to belabor the boy
1: That's uh, true. That's good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, you know, I, I was so so many of us. No matter if you are the the, the oddball kid or the or the popular, beautiful kid. We mm-hmm. all feel like we're not the beautiful one mm-hmm. in the room. All of us have felt like a monster at some point or another. Uh, like we're the we're the oddball out, or we have to, or the 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 um, pressure to prove ourselves as the popular, beautiful kid. It's it, we all have our issues to deal with that that, that are monstrous in our lives. Mm-hmm. So uh, so I I I have found that this that, that playing monsters has been really cathartic for me. To uh, yeah yeah I've been the monster in the room. And now I am actually a monster on film, and, uh, <laughs> right? And so, uh, but by the end of the movie, I've gone—I've gone on a ride in a storyline with this monster to the, a place of, of you know, uh, victory or or mm-hmm. destruction. If I'm a bad guy, uh, right? Mm-hmm. It, justification has happened. You know, justice has has, has been served. Uh, so I—that's uh, that's kind of nice to go home feeling empowered after that.
0: Well, it's something I, I, you know, looking at the expanse of your career, ob- like back in, you know, if you're a Gen Xer, you probably grew up with the Mac Tonight commercial yeah. with you as a, a crescent mooned man tickling the ivories, right? Uh, as a McDonald's pitchman. It's Mac Tonight. Come on, make it Mac Tonight. <laughs> but like up to the point now where Hocus Pocus 2 is coming mm-hmm. out and what we do in the shadows is just wrapped. How have you, and now that you're meeting fans at cons too, perhaps this adds a layer to it, how have you found the reception to the monstrous has evolved throughout your career? Because yeah. I feel like, I, it feels like there is much more outward conversation now around, like, embracing that part of yourself, like cool-to-be-other, like people being able to, in the the obliteration of the monoculture and everybody sort of living within niches that they can sculpt for themselves and finding their sort of band of weirdos immediately through social media and online, for better or worse. Mm -hmm. um, I wondered how that in, as a professional and just as a person who has had their own relationship with the notion of the monstrous, how has that evolved over the course of your work behind the prosthesis? Right. Well, you know,
1: I, I have been acting for 36 years now. And in that time, yeah, I when I started, uh, monsters had had, you know, well, the Universal monsters from back in the black and white era. Um, they were movie stars. They were, they had a hero sort of status to them in a way. And they had a mm-hmm. sympathy, to, uh, the, a sympathetic uh, storyline that you could go, oh, yeah, I understand him, you know. Right. Uh, but then that went away for a long time. When I started acting, uh, uh, in, if you had rubber glued onto you, you were a villain, you were a threat, you were tearing apart the lead actors. Yeah. Uh, right. So, um. That what what I so from then until now, I have seen an evolution absolutely a, a lovely one where mm-hmm. uh, the monster. And again, I'm going to give credit to a director like Guillermo del Toro, who I've been in yeah, six of his he, films. You have to, he's someone who has brought back that, that hero in a monster. That the find let's find the beauty in the monstrous, what we think are flaws are maybe where our beauty lies. That kind of a thing mm-hmm. uh, is more prevalent now than I, than when I started for sure. Um, and, and even even when I have played a villainous monster, I have to find, um, does he just wake up and say, I'm going to be evil today? Or does he wake yeah. up and say, I need to survive again today? As mm-hmm. a villain in, in, um, in a movie or a story, I want to find, what does he do? He's making bad choices, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. Selfish choices, perhaps. But he's also wanting to, to survive uh, best he knows how. Uh, and so I think there's, there's a life lesson in in there for all of us somewhere, you know, uh, as to what, what, um, what decisions do we have to make in a day, uh, to survive? And then let's also say, how is this going to affect others? Good or bad? Mm -hmm. Ah, Mm -hmm. so I I don't know if that answered any question or not, but I went on a diatribe.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 no. I'm happy to hear it. And I, I think, I think something that's interesting now too, that I feel like we're, we're seeing is. And and I think what we do in the shadows is sort of a perfect example of this, like, as opposed to, like, insert creature into realm of, like, normality and have that, have them be the exception or have an, you know, I think Guillermo has been instrumental in pushing this. Now we have so many more options of observing the communities of, you know, quote unquote monsters together in their own. Like Hellboy was a community of monsters, of people that just be characters that just became individuals in a neighborhood, basically, like in in a dorm room hanging out. And what we do in the shadows, we inhabit the world defined by the monsters. They are not the other. They are, in fact, the measure by which you understand everything. And humans would be the outsiders in that situation. And the monsters are coming. Rob Zombie of all people is bringing back the genteel monsters. <laughs> I'm like, I'm terrified that for like five episodes in, it's going to become House of a Thousand Corpses. You're going to have to be like a congressional <laughs> hey, no. hearing and something. But yeah. <laughs> like, I think he means yeah. it. Um, and so I I wanted to talk to you about like, where is your relationship with the idea of uniqueness at this point? Like, how do you feel about? The, uh, how do you feel about uniqueness as something that used to be a burden for you, mm-hmm. but that became an endpoint to a career for you, and now sets you as like a, a sex symbol <laughs> in what we do in the shadows kind of thing? Like yeah. how where how is your journey with that been? Oh, right,
1: I like as as discussed, I I um, used to think that uniqueness and and being the tall poppy as a great great mm-hmm. analogy. Um, was a bad, bad, horrible thing, and and mm-hmm. something to be um, to be uh, squelched and stopped and changed and fixed.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, uh, so I, I think there's there's a, a, a the lesson I have learned in all of that is. Um, that uh, hmm, that maybe I didn't need fixing. Maybe I just needed hugging. You know, I need, and, and the hug. The hug I needed most was from these two arms that are attached to me. I needed to wrap them <laughs> around me and say, you know what? You are gorgeous. You are valid. You are worthy. You are, you know, you're you're enough. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and then others have validated that notion a- along the way as well.
0: Those God given long arms to do plenty of <laughs> wrapping around. Are,
1: right. So, but I, I suffer that imposter syndrome sort of thing where, uh, if I was on a stage in front of an audience of a thousand people and there's, and they're all cheering and, and saying, bravo, bravo, the one person in the front row with their arms folded, looking at me like, mm-hmm, nah, I'm not going <laughs> to have it. That's the one I go home remembering. So, mm-hmm. and that, that's a, a horrible place to live in. Um, You know, I I have been told before that I've logged this one into my brain and my heart that uh, every decision we make in a day is made out of either fear or love. Mm -hmm. And I spent most of my youth making my decisions out of fear. I better do this. Mm -hmm. I better appease this. I better say yes to that person. I better, like, uh, self-efface if I'm going to, if if I'm going to ever have them call me again or if I'm going to be invited Mm -hmm. to this thing again. Or if if I'm going to have any friends at all, I better say yes, whatever. I made so many fearful decisions. Now, making decisions out of love instead, I I, I will go do that thing because I really want to do that thing, and I love the people that are going to be at that thing. So that's what I. Mm-hmm. So, uh, um, and that would be the same thing for me when I dress myself or when I, uh, is, is, am I going, to, am I dressing out of fear of fitting into the room I'm going to, or am I going to dress because I love what I'm wearing and I don't care what other people think about it. Right. <laughs> so, uh, and I, so I think that, uh, yeah, uh, playing monsters has, has, helped me. Yeah. I've, I've been in many movies and TV shows where I'm the, I am the exception in the room I, where, you know, I've been among a bunch of people and here comes this rubberized monster going, Argh! uh, you know, um, and uh, but but it, by the end of the pro, of the film or TV show, uh, there was a reason for it, and there was a lesson learned, and he becomes an integral integral part of the of the the story, the the plot, the the, the happy ending, maybe even. And mm-hmm. uh, and when again when I when I hear an audience member say, "Oh, it really touched me when you played," you know, monster a, a, ABC, uh, then it's like, okay, it worked. Whatever I was going for worked.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you know, in the in the Scarecrow sense of it, like through the the arc of the each of these characters is kind of, it seems like, you know, they each of them wants the thing they seem to have the most of. Like the the, the Tin Man wants a heart when he's sort of like the sweetest, you know, ah, shucks, yeah. Jimmy Stewart of the bunch, yeah. and the Scarecrow wants a brain, but is already keen enough to understand what he doesn't know and wants to have more of. Mm-hmm. And I wondered, like, you know, on your, on your, like, yellow brick journey here, like, have you, have you reached the Emerald City yet? Oh. Or do you feel like you're still looking towards the horizon on, like, you know, on the journey of your, of your own personal if-only, even if that if-only has changed over time?
1: Yeah. Oh, well, I think the if-onlys are, are coming to, 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 into view, and, and I'm, I'm living with some if onlys and, and happily, mm. but I, but the Emerald City is still, uh, hmm. for me that that will feel like uh, have I arrived yet? And I don't think I will have arrived until I'm dead in front of in, in front of the God that I've been worshiping all these years, saying, you know, now I've arrived. <laughs> but until then, there's still there's still progress. There's still a yellow brick road. There's still uh, travel to be done, and and, mm-hmm. and but. I want to enjoy that journey along the way. Now, that's the difference. Is I'm not just waiting to enjoy the Emerald City when I get there. I yeah. want to stop and and lie in the poppy field. I want to, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I want to I want to see some flying monkeys and, and uh, you know <laughs> and whatnot along the way. Yeah. Let's get out of here.
0: Look, Emerald City is closer and prettier than ever.
1: You're out of the woods, you're out of the dark. You're out of the night. Step into the sun. Step into the light.
0: For the most on the of the All right, well, then my sadly my wrap up question I feel like for you would needs to be then with the like with book ending like Hocus Pocus early on, new Hocus Pocus coming mm-hmm. out now, uh, becoming not just not just sex symbol in prosthetics but sex symbol with blonde wig as Douglas. Yeah. And the idea of like if you kind of I would imagine there were moments of like if you had told me 30 years ago that this was gonna happen <laughs> yeah. situation, yeah. even at like you know you've mentioned like being 62 years old and I I've, I've heard you I've read you talk about like Pan's Labyrinth that at 46 being a, a moment that kind of turned the page for mm-hmm. you in your career. Mm-hmm what do you, are there things that you see as possible now that you can, like, that you even know to dream about or aspire to towards, as far as, like, work you get to mm. do, where you're like, well, hell, if this can happen. Right. Well, then, like, what about the, what are some, like, what about this possibility options that you maybe hadn't ever considered were going to be reality before, but, like, that you look at now and, like, it can still be an exciting, like, on that journey that you're on. It's like, I'm going to enjoy the journey before I get to that end point, what other parts of the journey now do you see that are available to you that didn't even necessarily exist right. when you were coming up into this? Right.
1: And that would be uh, <laughs> uh, 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 something that that, uh, that I've talked about before, so it's not a big surprise to all, everyone. But mm. not everyone understands that I love the Hallmark Channel, <laughs> okay? And <laughs> <laughs> and i uh i love the the fluffy christmas movies that have the similar mm-hmm. plots you know where it's going the minute it starts and i don't care i'm a, i'm in for the ride
0: great exactly i'm in
1: for the feel good i'm in for the happy ending i'm in for mm-hmm. this uh, all things being tied up at the end and and happily ever after so uh the the uh, the older i get the the less rubber and glue i want to wear and uh you know i'm being more picky with those roles now mm mm-hmm. mhm uh so transitioning into playing more, I've played many humans in my career, but I want I want to play yeah. more and almost you know as I, I can age playing, you know the the older dad on a, on a Hallmark Christmas movie that's giving his <laughs> his grown daughter some advice about her relationship while while you know swirling a cup of cocoa and wearing a a, re, a sweater with reindeers on it right right yeah. <laughs> that, that's 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 the new dream and. Uh, but, And the thing, uh, but, you know, and you're right, like, uh, you know, back when, you know, 36 years ago, when I started being an actor, if I'd seen myself today, I would I, I was dreaming about where I'm at now. And it did come true. So I mean, I know dreams can come true. So looking from here to, you know, playing a gray haired guy, that's uh, on a Hallmark Christmas movie, it feels very possible. (laughs) And in fact, having a couple of interviews like this, where I've said this out loud.
0: I mean, we're speaking this into existence. Oh, we're speaking this into and existence. I've had a couple
1: of directors and uh, or producers uh, that have done Hallmark movies that have gotten a hold of me on social media, going, "You know what? I got a, a movie coming up that you'd be great for." But my Star Trek Discovery schedule has kept me, in, uh, uh, you know, tied up for so many months. I've had to say no to a couple, but so so I know that it actually can happen because uh, they're out there.
0: And uh, structurally, a great thing about that is a high volume operation no right not gonna run out of opportunities not gonna run out of shots to take on that <laughs> right, one
1: right, right. no I know Dude, like
0: we need to put 700 movies out between now and January that's, 1st no that's right give me Doug Jones
1: there, there's, there's gotta be one in there right exactly exactly
0: <laughs> exactly <laughs> Well, that, oh, I have to relinquish you to time, Doug, but I am so grateful for you spending yours uh, with us here on the podcast, and, and thank you. This Me is too, just thank the- you so
1: much. Jordan, you are a delight, and you are so smart, and, and you are so articulate. <laughs> I love talking with you, yes.
0: Thank you. <laughs> well, thank you, and uh, good luck out there with Hocus Pocus 2 in the immediate, because then there's going to be a billion things coming after that.
1: Right, that's right. So September 30th, Disney Plus, come on.
0: <laughs> come on. Doug Jones, everyone, what a treat. He's always a treat. And as full as his filmography is, Doug, thankfully, it, it seems like he is as prolific now as a person possibly could be while still being a person. Um, but let's hope he gets just a little busier still when he gets that rush of Hallmark Christmas movie offers that he deserves so much you can see him in Hocus Pocus 2 starting September 30th that is the day after this drops and it is on Disney Plus I just rewatched the original Hocus Pocus super holds up what a tremendous little kids movie um and as someone who's never had sex can completely get down with the amount that they make fun of a teenage virgin in that movie a guy's little sister a 14-year-old kids like little sister and a and a talking cat make fun of him for being a virgin the entire movie like that's a good gag um and now we have one quick thing before I go. Uh, it is... It, we Let us kick off the Halloween movie season officially with talk of Smile. Uh, October 1st is this weekend. Happy Halloween season to you all who celebrate it and to those of you who have been celebrating it since, like, August. I have nothing to say to you. It's too much. It's too far. Um, but we are now officially in your time. Uh, and smile. I saw this trailer for the first time before Bodies, 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 and when it played, I was with a couple of friends, and we all looked at each other and we were like, "LOL, that looks so bad." Can't wait to watch it. It was a perfectly good trailer, but we, I think, what we were remarking upon was like, "All right, here it comes, like the the Halloween requisite, like novelty gag horror movie. Like this is gonna be a fun mid." tier movie, and it's going to come out of the box office, and hopefully it's going to punch above its weight, and it's going to make a lot more money than it was made for. It's like, this isn't, and this is no shade to anybody. This is an important part of the scary movie ecosystem, this movie I am describing, this kind of movie I'm describing to you right now. But it like, then since that, the marketing for this movie has been nuts. I mean, if you, if you live in Los Angeles, there are, there are so many billboards. If you're going to theaters as Producer Marissa said when we were getting ready to start recording this episode, it's not just like, oh, I went and saw Bodies, 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 and the Smile trailer played. I went to see Confess Fletch and the Smile trailer played as it happened for her. They're putting this movie in front of every possible audience that could go see it. Uh, I might have played before uh, my recently seeing The Woman King. Like, it's sort of like, we don't care what demographic you are. We don't care if you might be interested in horror movies. We want you to be interested in Smile the way it's being pushed has been so like implicitly almost like from the studio that brought you like you're expecting to see like Blumhouse's smile not the case like you're expecting like ooh is this like a new thing from Neon is this like is A24 putting out another horror movie this year none of the above it's it's a Paramount it's a Paramount release go Paramount um you you you're kind of expecting like f- f- from the mind that brought you no it's a first-time filmmaker. His name is Parker Finn. Congratulations, Parker Finn, on the imminent release of your extremely well-promoted film. This is extremely exciting for you. The star of this Like, the face that they're marketing this movie with is a, a, a someone I love. It's Caitlin Stacy. But, like, that's not like... That's not like a Drew Barrymore. And she is, like, the face of this campaign in a way that you would think it was like a Drew Barrymore. And then it stars... Sosie Bacon, who, again, congratulations, Sosie Bacon, for this big starring role. But, like, yes, a child of the industry, the daughter of Akira Sedgwick and Kevin Bacon, but not, like, a name we've At this point, if it was, like, Allison Williams, it'd be like, oh, well, we've seen her in Get Out, we've seen her in The Perfection, like, Allison Williams is doing the damn thing. This is, like, it's like a breakout thing for Sosie Bacon. And so, like, there's so many cues and signifiers about it that... Tell you this movie is, like, huge for XYZ reason. And it's it's just a movie that they're putting out. It's a movie that they're putting out. And hey, but here's the good news, everybody. Here's the very good news. It got really good feedback out of Fantastic Fest. It was the opening night selection, which is not a thing that you fuck around with at a film festival. It was the opening night selection. Do play at Beyond Fest here in Los Angeles. Buzzy, big deal placements. Congratulations, everybody. Smile is really scary smile is really scary um it does i will i think the thing that i will my highest mark that i can give it at various points this movie lets you know not like because of tropes or because like of cliches it like broadcasts to you basically like hey guess what this scare is gonna happen this kind of scare is gonna happen this kind of scare that's really gonna freak you out it's about to happen get ready and yet and yet in its execution still really fucking freaks you out. I, there is one of the, like, one of the earlier really get-you moments. I did a a full half-jump out of my chair and screamed, oh, fuck, in the theater. That I couldn't, I I wasn't, like, overwhelmingly loud in because everyone else was shouting so loud. I was a voice among the masses. Um, This movie has... At the, like all you all you jerks on the internet who are like we don't do jump scares because you've categorically ruled out a kind of horror in a really exclusionary way this movie is one of those it's the case for jump scares really pulls them off great the score is so um upsetting and unique uh, Sosie bacon is asked to go through it emotionally in this movie basically wire to wire like beginning to end Sosie is being being put through the ringer and she gives an outstanding distressed performance she's given like a naomi watts level distressed performance in this movie doing a great job hunky leading man kyle gallner is in smile and if that is not enough reason to turn out for it um also go see his new movie dinner in america that is now out on hulu support independent cinema support kyle gallner forever um yeah there there are so many uh great fun pieces to this movie so have yourself a fun halloween kickoff at the movies go see smile because this is a group experience go like honestly if you can do it go in the opening weekends bring friends this is a scream in a public theater with a bunch of people kind of experience go see barbarian uh, go see Smile And support, I don't know What might be the <laughs> Biggest horror movie of the year Who knows, the way they've been pushing it I hope Paramount gets back what it puts in uh, For Smile Because it's just a really fun time And that's it We did it That's the show for today You can follow us on Twitter At Pod Or send us an email at at org. If you want to follow me, I'm Jor Crew on Twitter, J-O-R-C-R-U. Our theme music is by Andrew Epen. The show is produced by Marissa Flaxbart. Our senior producers are Kevin Ferguson and Laura Swisher. And this is a production of Maximum Fun.
1: MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned, audience supported.